Welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Father, in the authority of Jesus' name, speak to us. Speak to us. You have a message for us. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord Jesus had completed 40 days of fasting and prayer in the Judean wilderness, and then he headed north to the Galilee region. As he was ministering in that Galilee region, he began to gather his disciples. He got Peter and Andrew, brothers, and then he got James and his brother John, the sons of Zebedee. And he got Philip, Bartholomew, and uh, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, and uh, Simon, the Canaanite, Thaddeus, and of course, Judas Iscariot. He gathered these men together. And as he gathered these men together, he gave them specific instructions. Look with me at the instructions. This is recorded for us in the gospel of Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. And when he had called the 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, look at the power and the authority he gave to these 12 men. Heal all kinds of sickness. Heal all kinds of disease. And displace the demonic powers and forces. Displace them. Cast them out. Now, I want you to notice he, just, he didn't just say cast them out of bodies. Sometimes demonic forces possess property. They need to be cast out. He gave them the authority to do that. But not only that, as you continue on reading in chapter 10, you discover that he also gave them the authority to bless and to curse cities. He said, when you go to a city, if that city receives you, speak blessing on it, and that blessing will remain. If they reject you and refuse you, then you speak a curse on that city, and it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than it's going to be for that city. That's some pretty powerful, powerful authority that God gave to these 12 disciples. Some months later, Jesus was in the extreme north of Israel, ministering at the foot of Mount Hermon at Caesarea Philippi, a place that then was called Panis, P-A-N-I-S, named after the god Pan, because there was a huge grotto. It's also the headwaters of the Jordan River. And there was a huge grotto there, uh, and uh, little images of the god Pan were on little shelves that had been cut into the rocks. Today it's called Banas because the Muslims don't have the letter P in their, in their 
alphabet, their pronunciation. And so they changed it to Banus. Same place. The grotto is still there. The idols aren't on the little shelves, but you can see the little shelves where the idols had once stood. Jesus is there. And he's teaching. From there he went into Samaria, sent some of his disciples into Samaria. Samaria rejected the ministry of Jesus. Jesus stopped on a mountaintop and he had his transfiguration experience with, with Peter, and James, and John. Then Jesus gathered to him 70 more disciples. We don't have their names. We just know that he gathered 70 more disciples. And look what he said to them. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city where he himself was about to go. Next slide, please. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. Keep going. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Look, same authority and power that he gave to the original 12, he gave to this 70. And as you go on down in Luke 10, you find he, say, he said the same thing to them. Whatever city receives you and receives your word and ministry, bless that city and the blessing will remain on that city. But if the city rejects you and rejects the message, you speak a curse on that city, it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that city. And then he mentions a couple of cities that had already rejected him. Chorazin and Bethsaida. The interesting thing is, to this very day, you have the rubble of those two cities. And in all these millennia, they have never been repopulated. Curious, huh? Look at the power and the authority that Jesus gave. But, and I want you to notice, did you notice there's more than just the 12, there's at least 82 disciples that Jesus has appointed and given this authority to and sent them out. Curious. But there are some that are going to say, well, that authority was only given to the original 12. No, there's at least 82. But is, is that the only ones? Is that the only ones? Well, let's look. Let's see what Scripture says about this authority. Because I want to remind you, when Jesus was at Caesarea Philippi, he had the conversation with his disciples, and he said, who do people say that I am? And some said, well, some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're Jeremiah, risen from the dead. Some say others. And then he looked at them and he said, oh, this is the original 12. He looked at them and he goes, who do you say that I am? Big mouth Peter was the one that answered. If you remember in, when you were a kid in school, there was always that kid in the classroom, right? Here's Peter. Oh, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, right on, Pete. That's my 
translation, okay? You might want to go to the original and look at it. He said, Peter, flesh and blood. Now I'm telling you what it really said, okay? He said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I give to you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Upon this rock I will build my church. And he gave to the church, not to Simon Peter only, he gave to the church the keys of the kingdom. Interesting. So what does scripture say about this power and authority that we're seeing in these 82 men? Because it wasn't just the 12. Remember, after he had had that conversation with them at Caesarea Philippi is when he then had the other 70 that he sent out with the same authority and power. So there's at least 82. But let's go to John chapter 14 and in chapter 14 is where Jesus is talking with the disciples. This is the night he's about to be betrayed. And he's having this conversation with his disciples on this night that he's about to be betrayed. And in that conversation, he says to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. If you ask anything in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, we, we got we to note a couple things in this passage of Scripture. First of all, when he says, most assuredly I say to you, the old King James said it this way, truly, truly I say to you. And what it, what it really is saying in the Greek is he is saying, I'm telling you the truth. It's absolutely the truth. How many think if Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth right now, we get the truth? Amen. You think Jesus knew what he was talking about? Absolutely. And so he's telling us the truth. And what is the truth he's saying? He is saying, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. Now, it's not just the original 12. It's not just the original 12 plus the 70, so 82. Now he's saying, whoever believes in me. Can I ask in this room, how many of you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? May I see your hand? He's talking to you. He's talking to you. Because he didn't put a time limit on it. There's no time limit here. There's no generational limit here. He is saying, whoever believes on me for all generations, whoever believes on me, the works that I do, he will do also. But he didn't stop there. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Wow. 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 This is mind-boggling right here. Wait a minute. I, I'm, I, I am just a teacher. Wait a minute. I, I, Dean, I am just 
a builder. I just, I'm, just, I'm just a builder. I, just, I build houses. I, Dean, I'm just a truck driver. Dean, I, I'm, I'm just a housewife. Dean, I'm just a mom with two little rugrats. I just, I'm just, we, we could say all kinds of things why that does not include us, including the high schoolers and middle schoolers that are here, including the seniors that are here. Let me talk to the seniors a second. When you retire, that just means God gives you a new set of Michelin so you can do something for him. We'll move on. It includes everyone in this room. When you are a disciple of Jesus, Jesus said you do the works that he does. That's pretty staggering, isn't it? Want, want some more? So later that night, he's in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's recorded in John chapter 17. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. It's him and the Father. He's talking to the Father and he says, Father, they're not of the world just like I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Lord, as you've sent me, send them. And when you read his prayer, he's not just praying for the 12. He is praying for all who will believe on him. If that's not enough, then just before Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, he looks at the disciples and he says this, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. That's found in John chapter 21 verse 20. He is sending us just the same way Father sent him. Wow, this is staggering. This is that because what he's saying is he is saying, ordinary people called to be my disciples, I want you to be doing extraordinary things. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. You go, but this is, this, it's not possible for me to do that. I just, I can't do that. I want to ask you a question. Do you know who the disciples were? Tax collectors, fishermen. And we're not told about the 70 others. But if you notice, Jesus didn't go into the Sanhedrin and talk to the great religious leaders and the great televangelists of his day and say, come on, I want you to do the miracles. I want you to do the miracles. No, no, no. He went out to the common people. And that, that was one of the things that made the Pharisees and the Sadducees so mad. It was because Jesus was going to the ordinary people. He was avoiding those who were, who were the religious leaders. And he was choosing ordinary people to become his disciples who would then do his work and show forth the mighty power of Almighty God. Amen. Have you read the book of Acts lately? Let's just, let's just look at some things. So the book of Acts starts off with Jesus finishing up. He's ascending to heaven and the disciples are watching him go up into heaven and, and two angels are there going, what are you looking at? Now, if I had been there, I would have looked at them and said, what do you mean, what am I looking at? When have we ever watched somebody ascend from earth to the third heaven? 
That's what I'm looking at. You know what I'm saying? Yes, the only time I know of it ever happening was right then. Of course, let me, let me give you a little hint. Jesus said, he's going to come and receive us unto himself that where he is, that we may be also. So there's a day coming really, really soon when there's going to be millions that are going to do what Jesus did that day. Get ready. But you're going to have to watch quick because it says it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. Somebody's measured that and that's nanoseconds, whatever that is. I just know it's really fast, right? And so after, after Jesus ascends to heaven, you have the day of Pentecost where the disciples are baptized in the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people are saved. And then a few days later, Peter and John are on their way to prayer and they pass this guy who has never walked in his life. We don't know his exact age. The scripture just says he was over 40 years old. And from, from birth, he's been unable to walk. And, and Jesus, uh, John and Peter look at him and they do a miracle and the guy who's never walked suddenly is walking and leaping and praising God. That's in chapter 3. Chapter 4, they have a prayer meeting and they have a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 8, the church is under persecution. They're being persecuted because so many people in Jerusalem are coming to salvation. And so they kind of begin spreading out. Philip, a deacon, a deacon, listen up deacons. Philip, a deacon, he goes north to Samaria. He gets to a city there in Samaria. And as, as, he's, as he's there, he begins doing miracles. And he begins casting out demons. A deacon. Casting out demons, doing miracles. And he's telling them about Jesus. And the scripture says the whole city was filled with joy because of what was going on. And they hear about it in Jerusalem. So they send Peter and John up there. And they begin praying for them so that they can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit also. We fast forward to... and. Listen, I could keep going. We could go on to every chapter. And what we see over and over and over again is ordinary people like you and like me, just, just businessmen, businesswomen. One of them was a woman named Lydia who was a businesswoman who sold purple cloth. Guys, listen, ordinary people doing miracles and signs and wonders. You see, God put Living Faith Church here to equip you to be more than religious. Amen. To be disciples. Pastor Jesse preached a great message on that last week. Amen. God called us to be disciples, not to be religious. You got if if you haven't heard it yet, it's on a Facebook page, it's also on our YouTube page. Listen to his message. We are not here to make people religious. We are here to make people disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you have to understand, as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we follow him. We pattern our life after him. But we also do the same works that Jesus did because God wants disciples to make a difference in their world. Has anyone besides me noticed America is sinking into a cesspool? Yes, 
In fact, it might be cleaner for you to climb down in your cesspool right now than it is to be in some of the stuff that's going on in America. It is, it is horrible, the corruption that is going on. I mean, Hollywood has just vomiting filth and trash. Horror movies that are so demonic. I mean, it is like everything that is demonic and evil and vile they are throwing out at people. Whether it's in animation or whether it is in, if you can call it acting. But it's, it's just a cesspool. Our news media, they love to tell lies. And see, this is, this, and this is what Scripture says in 2 Thessalonians, that, that as the Antichrist spirit is rising, they, they are no longer going to love the truth but the lie. And we're seeing that. We're literally falling out of love with truth and we want to believe a lie. How else can you explain that they, they truly want us to believe that a biological male is a woman? Now any woman in this room can tell you that is not possible. I won't go any further than that. <laughs> I thought about it, but I won't. A lie. And what we need right now desperately in this nation, I'm telling you, is the same thing. Because at the time the church was born, when the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost, it was in the middle, it was in the middle of the Roman Empire and Nero, who was so evil and so wicked, just study him in history. He was so wicked and so evil. That's where the church was born. And the church brought the light and brought the miracle power of Jesus Christ and turned the world upside down. That's why they over and over said, they that have turned the world upside down has come here. Oh no, they've come here. Oh no. And we're going we're gonna to see that today, folks, when the church will really be the church. I mean be the church. And we are doing the works of Jesus. Really doing the works of Jesus. I am telling you, Umatilla County, Morrow County, Benton County, we are going to turn them upside down for Jesus. And then it's going to spread. That's why we're here. We're here to make a difference. So we stand in front of a stronghold of darkness. What are you going to do? Cower? Or are you going to click your tongue and go, well, it's just getting so evil out there. <laughs> are you going to stand up and say, in the name of Jesus, not on my watch. You're not bringing that into my neighborhood. No way. Remember the stinky bus? They brought this this. I don't know, it was a, it was a kind of like a Winnebago thing. And they parked it half a block over from us in our neighborhood. And they were cooking meth in there. I mean, it just smelled like rotten eggs all the time. And it was horrible. And I thought, not on my watch. Are you kidding me? Not in my neighborhood you're not bringing that junk. 
We began praying over it and commanded it to leave. It was gone. It was gone. Never came back. And then we discovered that, that it parked there because the house right across the street from where they parked it, that house was dealing drugs. I'm going, no, not on my watch. I took authority. I'm telling you, not on our watch. Just a few blocks down from us was this beautiful park filled with trees. It was just a gorgeous park, baseball fields, swings, park benches, walking paths. It was beautiful. No one was ever there. I, I, when I first moved there, I wondered why. And I walked through the park one day and I discovered why. There was all kinds of drug paraphernalia on the ground. It was a shooting gallery. And one day as I was doing my run, because my run in the morning took me right past that park. And as I was running by there one day, God said, I want that park. I want you every time you go by this, going and coming, I want you to de declare... <sighs> I want you to declare righteousness into that park. Amen. Every morning I'd run by, going out, coming back, I'd declare righteousness and I'd cast down the powers of darkness and declare righteousness. Took about a year and a half. I'll never forget it. One Saturday, we had been somewhere, we drove by that park and there were people there. I went, Wanda, there's people in the park. And it just began to grow and began to grow. Then they built an aquatic center there. And, that, and from that time till now, that park has been filled. And the drug dealing stopped. Amen. Church, we have got to be the church. Amen. The church that Jesus built. Not the really nice with cool sound and stuff of the 21st century in America. Come on. Come on. I, have the cool sound. If you want smoke, do smoke. But I'm telling you something. Do all of that and not walk in the authority and power of the Holy Spirit. You are nothing more than a social club. It is time for the church to rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit and be what Jesus said. You stand in front of sickness and disease and you command it to leave. And it has to go in the name of Jesus. Amen. You stand in front of the powers of darkness and you bring the authority of Jesus' name because Jesus has cast down every power of darkness. I could start getting really Pentecostal right now. The authority of Jesus. Dear ones, that is the only thing that's going to turn our nation. We're not going to turn our nation by making them religious. We have to turn our nation by making authentic disciples and disciples who walk in the authority and power that Jesus gave to his disciples. Come on, amen? amen. Now, how is that possible? Let me look and make sure I got, oh, cool. I got another hour. <laughs> so how do you do that? Jesus told his disciples. He said, don't go do anything yet. This is in Luke 24. Verse 49, he said, don't go do anything until you've been clothed with power from on high. Until you've received the promise of the Father. Until you've been clothed with power from on high. 
clothed with power. It's, it's a garment that disciples wear. You wear the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life like a garment. You get up every day and you clothe yourself in the garment of the Holy Spirit, power and authority. And you walk in that throughout the day. It's a garment that you wear. But see, we've forgotten that. We have forgotten that. And, and we think it's something that we, we have to get to a particular location because they've got the anointing there. We have to get to a particular man or woman because they've got the anointing. Are you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life? If he is, then Jesus says you can be clothed with power from on high. You can be clothed with that power from on high. Because you're a disciple, you can be clothed with that power from on high. Now how does that happen? Acts chapter 1 tells us. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you've received the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. And all be witnesses. <laughs> ye shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. Who was he talking to? Not just the original 12. There were at least 120 there. Come on. Am I scaring you to death? Nope. Close. <laughs> One honest person that spoke up. See, Almighty God is saying to you and I, you're my disciples, and I want you to have this power. And the avenue of this power is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the same thing as being baptized in water. It's not the same thing as receiving salvation. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Dean? Because we have examples of this in Scripture. We have in at least two locations where people were baptized in water, and then they were, had hands laid on them, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We have in Acts chapter 10, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then they took them out and baptized them in water. They said in, in Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 48, Peter and, and those that were with him at Cornelius' house, and this is how it says, it says, can we forbid these to be baptized in water who have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? For we have heard them speak in other tongues. Amen. Those that want to say, well, it was only the apostles that spoke in other tongues, you've got a problem with that. Because there are multiple places in Scripture where it talks about them speaking in other tongues when they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not just one place, but multiple places. And the reason is because that's the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the point of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not so you can speak in tongues. It's so you can be clothed with power from on high so that you can do the same works that Jesus did. That's what it's all about. I like to tell people this. When you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're not seeking tongues. You're seeking a person, Holy Spirit. And you're asking him that you would be baptized into his power and presence. Amen. I liken it to this. 
When you go shopping for shoes, do you go shopping for tongues? <laughs> oh, I know you don't. You go looking for shoes and tongues just come with them. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are immersed into the power and the presence of Holy Spirit. Just like when we baptize you in water, we immerse you into the water. Jesus Christ says he immerses you into the power and the presence and the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. And he gives you power from on high so you are clothed. You wear it like a garment. That anointing, that power that enables an ordinary person to do extraordinary things for the glory of Almighty God. Come on, Give him a praise. Yeah. Tongues just comes with it. <laughs> Why? Well, Jesus tells us it's so we can pray with a greater authority and power. Amen. God wants you living an extraordinary life. Let me just close with this. It starts with this. It starts with you making the decision. I am sick and tired of being religious. I want to be an authentic disciple of Jesus. And I want to step outside the box of 21st century church. And I want to do something mighty for Almighty God. Amen. I don't want to be ordinary 21st century USA Christian. I want to be extraordinary, biblical, authentic disciple of Jesus. You got to make that decision. You got to make up your mind. You got to make up your mind. What do you want to be? Living Faith Church, we are making disciples that make a difference in the world around them. That's what we're about. Wow. And I can tell you what's fun. We have ordinary people in this room that have watched God as they've prayed, God's done healing. We've got here, ordinary people have prayed and God's given them a miracle. We've seen cancer leave. I'll never forget one brother, they've taken a position elsewhere. They don't live here in our community anymore, but he was, he was, he was a he was just a truck driver. He was just a truck driver. But his dad had stage four brain cancer. And it felt like God told him to go pray for his dad. He did, and the cancer disappeared. Yes. Just ordinary truck driver. Amen. Now, that didn't happen 50 years ago or 100 years ago. That happened just a few years ago. He was still attending here when that happened to the glory of Almighty God. I, I'm telling you, God wants you to live in the extraordinary. But you've got to be willing to say, I am not going to live ordinary anymore. I'm going to be a mighty disciple of Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? Disciples make a difference in their world. I'd like to ask you a question. Right now, truly, who in your workplace do you know that needs a miracle? 
maybe a healing. Maybe they need the power of alcohol or narcotics broken in their life. Maybe they need a son or daughter that's just in rebellion and running as fast as they can into the powers of darkness and they, they need to be, they need, they need their heart turned. They need a miracle. Maybe they struggle with depression and despair and, and even thoughts of suicide. They need, they, need, they need God to give them a miracle. Who needs a miracle at, at your workplace? Do you know that's why you're there? That's why you're there. God put you there as his disciple to bring his power and authority into their life. Now, you don't have to be a belligerent, harsh, irritating Christian. That's what religious people do. You can be a disciple that just brings the love of God to them, just speaking to them and praying for them. In private, praying for them every single day, asking God to give you a miracle and asking God to give you an open door. And if you will faithfully just share Jesus and his love with your smile and with your voice every day and the way you treat them and you pray for them every day, I am telling you, there is going to come very quickly that day when they're going to look at you and they're going to say, you're a Christian. Yeah. Would you pray for me? Yeah. Can we pray right now? And you're going to get a chance to pray for their miracle. Amen. How do I know? Because I've seen it happen time and time again. One of the biggest battles I face is I have to get past them knowing I'm a preacher. A pastor. That's why a lot of times when I go out and and I, I, I try to get teamed up in golf with guys that have no idea who I am, and I don't tell them who I am. The reason, because as soon as I do, they stop cussing, they start acting weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really get to know them. You don't have to act weird to be an authentic disciple of Jesus and to bring the power of Almighty God into someone's life. Come on, amen? amen. Who do you know in your neighborhood? Now I'm going to get really close. Who do you know in your family? Now I'm really, really going to get close. Do you need a miracle? Online, do you need a miracle right now? We want to pray for your miracle. And you can put in the comments section right now, I need a miracle, and you can put what is there. If it's, if it's too personal to put there, you can just write, I need a miracle. We'll pray for you by name for that miracle. Almighty God wants to release his power. We're so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com. 